where we have the Seder night, beginning Pesach, we understand, we have Seder night, we have what to accomplish, we already discussed that. Even Cholamoid has its own Tachlis as well. But what exactly is Shvi Shel Pesach? What exactly is Shvi Shel Pesach be meaning to us? What are we meant to accomplish? And what are we meant to walk away with at the end of Yontif? Because at the end of the day, if we just walk out of another Yontif, okay, the food was great, Baruch Hashem, the house was again clean, we managed to keep it clean, another couple of days we were in quarantine, the kids are going crazy, Baruch Hashem, we got through it, we managed. But I think it goes a little bit deeper than that. First of all, I want to give a shout out, number one, to the Shiva's based Ovid boys that are out there listening right now. You guys are great. You're in her, at home. It's difficult. I know everyone's at home, but it's difficult for you guys. And Baruch Hashem, you guys are learning. You guys are still getting involved. I'm learning with a lot of you over the phone. It's tremendous. Baruch Hashem, keep it going. And I know it's difficult for all of you to be there. You want to join me back here in Yerushalayim. But Emir Hashem, the Rabboni Shalom, and Be'ezus Hashem will bring us all back here united in Yerushalayim, Erehad Kodesh, Be'ezus Hashem, as soon as we possibly can. Can. Another thing is also for those people that have been sending in emails, thanking me for the Shurim, the uh, crash course in Hilchus Pesach, the uh, Divrei Torah sheets that we've been given out as well. Just want to express my Korosatov to all of you. I really appreciate all of you and all the thanks that you've been giving me. And this is pretty much the last year of the Yontif. And Be'ezus Hashem, we hope to continue discussing in Yonim of Svirah Sa'ime, hopefully after Yontif. So, Many people, again, as we mentioned, those of you that just joined us, you know, Shvi Shel Pesach, what's the point? What are we trying to accomplish? What is our goal of Shvi Shel Pesach? So, I want to mention to you the most tremendous Orachayim HaKadosh. There's an unbelievable Orachayim HaKadosh. It's Kedai to look this one up yourself. Because at the end of the day, we don't have a mitzvah, as we'll discuss in a moment, on Shvi Shel Pesach for itself. But one of the highlights of Shri Shal Pesach is the Shira. And although this year it's going to be very different, we're not going to be in shul, and we're not going to say it posik by posik, together with the whole tzibur, together with everyone together, but still there's something about the Shira that is incredible, and there's a tremendous amount of energy in the Shira, and we should use that energy. So basically like this, we have to understand what happened. Klal Yisrael, as the Torah basically tells us, goes through the situation right before Kriyas Yamsuf. And if you're looking this up, it's in Shemois, Perik Yedalad, Posuk, Tesvav, where the Torah tells us like this, right before Kriyas Yamsuf, right before the splitting of the sea, Vayoyma Hashem el Moshe, Matitzak Eli, why are you crying to me? Dabe el Bnei Yisrael v'yasu, why are you crying to me? says, Rabbeinu Shalom to Moshe Rabbeinu, Speak to Klal Yisrael and let them go and let them journey. Now it's interesting, the Rechaim HaKadosh right over here has a question. He says, what's the pshat? The Rabboni Shalom is telling Moshe Rabbeinu, why is Klal Yisrael crying out to me? I'll tell you the words of the Rechaim HaKadosh and I quote, Ulumul mi Yitzhak imloi lahashem aleikov ubiprat based sora." Says the Arachayim Hakadosh, to whom does the Rabbi Nishlonim want us to cry if not to Hashem? Especially at this time, at tr- a time of tzara, at a time of trouble. Let's imagine for a moment what's going on. Picture the scene, Rabbi Sai. It's incredible. Klal Yisrael, 
Klal Yisrael lifted up their eyes. They saw the most amazing thing. They saw a sight that was just incredible. In front of them was the Yam, the sea. They couldn't just go in. And the boat on either side was basically wilderness. There was the Midbar there. There were wild beasts all over the place. There's no way they could go in there. And behind them, coming chasing them, were the Mitzrim. So they were totally stuck. They were totally in a situation that they had no idea what to do. It was a totally hopeless situation. What do you want them to do? Of course, a Yid talks to the Rabbani Shalolem. That's what a Yid does. That is in essence of who we are. We talk to Rabbani Shalolem. We're in a situation as we are in this Kali soul once again find themselves in over here in, 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 in Yid Tovshin Pei that we're also in a situation. What do we do? We call out to the Rabbi Nishlanim. That's the nature of a Yid. That's what we do. That is, it, it's inherent, it's in our bones, it's in every one of our fibers. It's incredible. And yet, the Torah is telling us, this is the way the Archaim HaKadosh explains it, the Torah is telling us that the Rabbi Nishlanim is saying, stop, tell Klal Yisrael, why are they calling out to me? Let them go. What does this mean? What's the Pshat? And I think, the answer that the Orachayim HaKadosh reveals to us is a tremendous answer in many situations and particularly now and particularly when it comes to Shvi Shal Pesach. Explains the Orachayim HaKadosh as follows. The Rabbi Nishalayim was telling Moshe Rabbeinu as follows. I'll say it in English. Why are you crying to me? It's not up to me. Yes, I would love to perform a miracle, but clearly Yisrael at this moment are not worthy of having that miracle done for them, there is only one way. Tell Kalal Yisrael to travel. Tell them to go into the sea. Tell them to keep on going until their necks are deep in water, thus demonstrating their emun in Hashem. Says the Orachayim HaKadosh, this is what the Rabbi Nishalaylam was telling Moshe Rabbeinu to tell all of Kalal Yisrael. Don't tell them to cry to me. That's not good enough right now. They're not worthy. Tell them just to go. Tell them just to travel, just to go into the yam. You'll see. Let's, let's let them demonstrate their amun and the rabbi only and only once they had purely demonstrated their amun and Hashem, then the rabbi said, "Okay, then it's you who can help." In other words, what the rabbi was telling Kalal Yisrael right before Kriyas Yamsuf, which is what Shvi Shal Pesach is all about, is that yes, of course, we have to daven. The yid has to daven. But there are certain times we need to be machazik in our munah. We need to machazik, we not just have to machazik in a theoretical way, but we have to show the Rabbi Nishalim we really trust, we really believe. You know, Chazal tell us, it's a medrash in Shemois Rabbah, and we all know this one as well. Kids come home from school, in the regular year at least, with pictures of not only the yam itself that split, but every single body of water that existed on planet Earth also split. in Parsha Chav Aleph Vov. Right? You look it up yourself. It's incredible. It's incredible. Every single body of water. A person was having a cup of water in his hand and it split at that moment in the middle of Australia. Incredible. Why? What's the reason for that? In fact, the Sasholim Mibels asked this question amongst many people who I see asked the question as well. The Rabbi Shalom doesn't just do a nis. A miracle doesn't just happen. There's got to be a purpose. There's got to be a reason why there is that nis. And he wants to explain, I saw others explain it in the same way as well. It's coming to teach us something incredible. 
that although the nace of Kriyas Yamsuf happened then, it happened for Kalal Yisrael over 3,000 years ago, but every single one of us, in every single generation, wherever we are, whatever situation we find ourselves in, can tap in to that incredible power. We can tap in to the miracle that was by Kriyas Yamsuf, because the Rabbi Nishlanim showed it wasn't just for them, it was for everyone. It was for the world. It was for any, every single generation. And that is an incredible thing. And that's something that I think, particularly now, we have to tap ourselves into. You know, we go through life, and we kind of get sidetracked. We get sidetracked, we're busy, we're Baruch Hashem busy, and we're all busy with our lives, doing whatever we're doing. And life is busy, and that's just how it is. But sometimes we have to stop, take a little bit of a breath, and take a step back, and look at where we're holding. Give ourselves a reality check, which is what's going on. We have that time, all the time in the world now for these reality checks. Shvishel Pesach, I want to tell you, is the most unbelievable opportunity. I don't know how many people know this. But Shvishel Pesach has within it the most incredible power that I don't know any other part of any other Yontav has. In fact, the Beisaren famously said that we that the first six days of Pesach which we're basically coming to the end now. Tomorrow is going to be the sixth day we're already holding in the night. I mean, Eretz Yisrael, it's the night already here. Is all Ahachana, the first six days, are just Ahachana for Shvisha Pesach. Why? Because it's getting to that point where Klal Yisrael sings Shira. And that is the Tachlis of the world. The Tachlis is for Klal Yisrael to sing Shira to the Rabboni Shalom. And it's an amazing thing because there are so many mitzvahs. We mentioned this, if you remember, on Shabbos HaGadol. 64 mitzvahs I went through with my kids. We went through the list of 64 mitzvahs. It's mind-boggling. The Sedanite, 64 mitzvahs. Isn't that incredible? And yet, Shvishel Pesach, nothing. Not a mitzvah. No mitzvah, all right. Maybe according to the Vilna Goin, if you eat matzah, kezayis of matzah, you get a mitzvah for eating matzah, all right. Says the Chedush Arim, incredible idea. Says the Chedush Arim, we know Chazal tell us that when Mashiach comes, we will not have the mitzvahs. Most of the mitzvahs will become bottle. We won't need them anymore. Why? He says, you know why? Because what is a mitzvah? A mitzvah is a springboard to get closer to the Rabbi Nishalayim. That's what it is. A mitzvah, we shake the lulav, we eat the matzah, whatever we do, it's a way to get closer to Hashem. The Osid Lava, when Mashiach is here, we don't need those mitzvahs to get closer to Hashem. We're naturally going to be close. That, says the Chedush Ha'arim, the Ger Rebbe, is what Shvishel Pesach is. There is no mitzvah, because it's on such a high level, that a person, in fact, the Svarim HaKadoshim bring down, that a person has a special siyat HaDashmai to daven for whatever he wants. Shvishel Pesach, we're so close to the Rabbi Nishalonim, the Rabbi Nishalonim loves us so much, it's incredible. Recently a fellow says to me, I'm done with Yiddishkeit. I'm not, I'm, I'm just totally uninterested. It's not for me. Yiddish guy is not for me. I grew up with it, but it's no longer for me. I'm not interested. So I said to him, okay, no problem. But just remember one thing. You might have given up on Yiddishkeit. You might have given up on the Rabboni Shlom. But the Rabboni Shlom has never given up on you. He still believes in you. In fact, when Tzadik Cohen writes, when he brings down the Indian of the Shira, 
he says that Klalisor believed, and this was really the first time, in fact, it's brought down that Shvishal Pesach is the culmination, it's everything, it's the it's the totaling, everything begins, and everything is at Shvishal Pesach, because that is when Klal Yisrael, true, they went through Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim, and they saw the Esamachas, and they saw everything that went on in Mitzrayim. But when did it really get into their heart? When did they really believe? Right now. Shvi Shal Pesach. Uvamini Ba'ashem. That's when they really believed in the Rabbi Nishlam. That's when it was set in stone within themselves with Shvi Shal Pesach. That love that they had for the Rabbi Nishlam. And that's something we have to awaken. And that's something we have to analyze. Because that's what Shvi Shal Pesach is all about. The Chassam Soifa says the most incredible thing, and I want to build upon this in the next few minutes to understand a little bit more about what Shvishal Pesach, and in particular the Shira, which is what we do on Shvishal Pesach, is all about. The Chassam Sofa brings two psukim that we know we're all familiar with. We know the Torah switches it in two different places. They were on the dry land, in the yam, and they were in the yam, in the dry land. So whatever that means, there are different understandings to exactly how to understand that. But one explanation which, which really hit me was the, the Chsam Soifa. The Chsam Soifa says an incredible thing. He says that it sounds like the yam is the yabasha, that's the, the, the ocean is the dry land, and the yabasha is the yam, and the dry land is the yam. What's going on? The Chsam Soifa brings an incredible marshal. I think I say this every year to anyone that's ever heard a shit that I gave him before Shri Shal Pesach. This is just the most incredible and enlightening Chsam Soifa. He brings a marshal. The marshal is an, about, a, about an artist. An artist, a tremendous artist and a king in, a, in one of the places. He wanted to get an artist that was world-renowned to, to build and to draw the most beautiful painting he'd ever seen. And the king hired this artist to draw the most amazing picture of the king's horses. That's what he wanted. I want to see a picture of the king's horses. So this artist spent a long time, many weeks, looking and analyzing the horses from different angles and directions to see how best to paint them until he finally decided, I'm ready. He got his paint, he got his canvas, he got his stand, he got everything he needed to get. And he started to paint the king's horses, the carriages, the beautiful scenery behind, it was gorgeous. And he spent many, many weeks, and eventually the masterpiece was finished, he brought it to the king, the king said, that is incredible, I have never seen anything so lifelike, it's, it's almost like it's real, it's almost like it's in front of me, I see the horses right there, that's unbelievable, that's amazing. So what he decided to do, and it was a huge painting, it wasn't a small little thing, it was a huge thing. I want you to put it outside the palace doors. And I want the gates of the palace to have this painting right there. And it blended in very nicely with the scenery. And the king was watching from his palace to see. And he noticed, and to his dismay, that everybody was walking past this painting, and nothing. They didn't see anything unusual. They saw the king's horses, which is normal to see outside the palace gates. So they didn't see anything. And the king was so upset. Here's this most beautiful picture, which is so stunning, which took so long and cost so much money. And nobody's appreciating it. You know what I'm going to do? He went out. He took a knife. And he took a knife and he stabbed the painting. And he slit a huge hole down the middle of the painting. Now, the next day, he noticed that every single person that walked past this painting looked took a second look and go, wow, that's a painting. That's incredible. I have never seen anything so incredible. That's an amazing painting. 
says the Chassam Soifa. We look at the Yam. We look at the sea. Big deal! It's a sea. What's, what is it already? It's a little bit of water. The Rabbeinu Shalolim had to come along on Shvishal Pesach and had to split that sea. And all of a sudden, wow! The sea splits. That's incredible. What a nice. That's unbelievable. Says the Naim Elimelech, I was Zoycha to be by his cave just a few weeks ago. Everything is a nice. Everything in the world is a nice. Everything's a miracle. Everything the Rabbanishtam created in this world that we experience is a total nice. But we just have to realize it. And sometimes it took a Kriya Siamsov for us to actually realize it. And that is Shvishal Pesach. If you want to know in a nutshell, what is Shvishal Pesach? This is it. Shvishal Pesach is the climax of Yontov. Yes, we've talked about Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. We've talked about Emun and the Rabboni Shalom. We've had so much talk about all this. Now is the climax. You know what the climax is? Says the Chsam Soifa. Says the Noim Elimelech is to look at nature. And see the Rabboni Shalom. See everything the Rabboni Shalom does for us. You know, there was a, a story of a guy that was walking through the forest. And he was enjoying the nature. And he says, ah, God, what a masterpiece you made this world. That's incredible. He walks further and he hears the water rushing. And he wants to see more of the Rabboni Shalom's handiwork. And he goes towards the sun and says, Shalom, that's incredible. Look what you did. I see your signature in this place as clear as day. Suddenly, at that moment, he hears a noise behind him. He turns around and he sees a huge bear rearing up, ready to run at him. He doesn't know what to do. You can't run away from a bear. What is he meant to do? He's got the bear on one side. He's got the edge of the cliff on the other side. This is almost what Claudius went through. He was out of options. He looks up. He says, Rabbi Shalom, I don't know what to do. Give me a sign. What am I meant? Which direction am I meant to go? All of a sudden, at that moment, there was a clap of thunder and suspended in mid-air over the river that was over the cliff was four fiery letters and they read J-U-M-P, jump. He looked at it. He said, God, give me another sign. You know, we're all visited by the Rabboni Shalom at all time. The Rabboni Shalom gives us his calling all throughout the day, throughout the year. But sometimes we're uncomfortable with that message. So we say, yeah, well, it's nothing, it's nothing, it's not a big deal, it's only a virus, it's only just happens, it's, it's an illness, it's going to come, it's going to go. What is it already? As if nothing happened. And then we don't get the godless of how the Rabboni Shalom created the world. You know... We're living through a Yontif right now, which is basically mentioned of the very first of the Aseris Hadibris. The Aseris Hadibris, we know, mentioned in Parshish Yisroi Perichof, Anoichi Hashem Aleikecha Asher Hoitzei Sicha Meretz Mitzrayim. The first of the Aseris Hadibris is what? The Rabbani Shalom introducing himself to the world, saying, I am your God. Who what? What would you have expected Hashem to say? If you were God writing the script, what would you write? Here you are. You are revealing yourself to Klal Yisrael, to all of the world. Everyone knows about this. And you're announcing who you are. Onoichi Hashem Alekecha. I am Hashem, your God. Who what? I would have thought to say, who created the world. I mean, here we are. God saying, I am created the first time we find the Rabbani Shalom, revealing himself to the world. And he doesn't say that. The Rabbani Shalom says, why that? Why is that the first one? What's going on? 
So the Svarim that were showing me should now ask this question. The Rosh in Orchus Chaim brings down, you know, the answer is. Because if the Rabbani Shalom would have said, I am the Rabbani Shalom who created the world, good, so you created the world, you're gone now. You created it and you left. No. The Rabbani Shalom says, I created the world and I also took it out of Mitzrayim. That means, not only did I create the world and leave it to nature, but I created the world and I'm still involved in every single detail that the world is going through. And that is something incredible. And that is something that we have to realize, and that's something we have to instill within ourselves on the Shvishel Pesach, is to look at the Kriyas Yamsuf and see the Rabboni Shalom in that, but to learn to see the Rabboni Shalom in everything that we do in our lives. I want to tell you two unbelievable stories. One of them happened about four or five years ago in Williamsburg in America. There was a Chesidah that was building a sukkah, it was Erev Sukkot, and he was building a sukkah, and he was on a, he was on a, an apartment building over a ladder, and he was building the schach on top of his sukkah. And at one point, the ladder started to shake. Now he knew that if this ladder fell, it's only going in one direction, which is going off the building, which is going many floors down. He didn't know what to do. He was in a panic. It was very slowly shaking. It seemed there's no way of him going down. He was stuck. He grabbed hold of a piece of metal that he could find to hold on to it. And little did he know that that piece of metal was not connected. And he fell, together with the piece of metal, together with the latter, a few flights down the building. I think it was the third or fourth floor of the building. His mother, who was inside, saw what happened. From inside the building, she started to scream. Her son fell, he's gone. And on the third or the fourth floor of the building, Hashem Yerachim, she didn't want to think what things would look like. She immediately picked up the phone, she called that Salah, she said, I don't know if there's anything to come for, but come right now. And she goes running out the building. She can't see him, where is he? She goes running downstairs. She sees the most incredible thing. There is a pile Literally a huge pile. I don't know if you've ever seen in Eretzisra, whenever they have like a, some kind of strike. So the rubbish, you know, the, 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 it goes completely all the way piled up high. So it was one of these huge piles of like soft gardening moss from all the gardens, from all the grass from the areas that was there. He had fallen directly into there. By the time Hatzola got there, he had wa- he'd got up and walked away. Incredible. But what was even more incredible was that they were begging the authorities to take away this grass. And they were so upset with them. And it was this family who was in charge, what we call the Vadabayas. They were in charge of the building. They were so upset. How can these people not take it away? They were calling them and cursing them. Take this away. It's Sukkos. We want it away before Yontav. Little did they realize that that was their savior. And it's so true in so many situations of our lives that we're not always zoichet to see the end. And we're not always zoichet to see the other side of the coin, but it's always there. And we have to look at it. I'll tell you one more unbelievable story. There was a Yid. His name is Michal Kendall. Michal Kendall is a rov of a shul in America in some out of town, middle of nowhere, small little Jewish community. He realized that the mikvah that had not been used for a number of years already, but no one's ever come to actually check that mixture. The, the kashras of the mikvah had never really been checked for many, many decades. So he called in one of the world-renowned experts on mikvahs. Please come and make the inspections before I redo the mikvah, and I want to restart it and get it going again. We need another mikvah. The community is growing. So he made the inspection, and when the results came in, this Rabbi Kendall was totally devastated. 
the Rav, who was inspecting the mikvah, who was a big bucket mikvah, is told him that the pipes through which the rainwater originally had to have flowed were completely puzzled, which means that this mikvah was never, ever kosher. Now, the ramifications of what this was was incredible. This Rabbi Kennel could not believe what he just heard. You know, just think about this terrifying situation. Over the years, do you know how many people converted to Judaism in this very mikvah? Do you know how many of these Gerim had children? who eventually became Rabbonim, who came Sofim, they wrote Tfilin, they wrote Sifrei Torah, they were Edim at people's weddings, all sorts of things. Can you imagine how many thousands of people have been affected by this mikvah, which was now known to be totally possible and always possible because the pipes were made originally possible. There's no way it could have been Gosha. He didn't know what to do. Just to notify everyone and track everyone down from around the world is, is just impossible. There's another problem. His father, who was originally the Rav of where he was, who started the community and, and even built that mikvah, was an old, not such a well man. To tell him how would he react when he hears this news about this mikvah that was built in such a way, he always heard that this mikvah was cause of big, 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 big distress for his father. It would be damaging to his health. He didn't know what to do, but he had no choice. Because how could he just ignore it? You've got you know, hundreds if not thousands of people who had gone through this mikvah, who came out from the mikvah, or anything similar to that. He didn't know what to do. But he had no choice, so he flew. He took a flight to where his father was, and he sat down with his father, and he started to tell his father a little bit about, you know, can you tell me some history about the mikvah? Maybe tell me how it was built. Maybe give me some, some ideas of exactly how, what happened over there. And his father said, oh, I, just don't, I don't want to discuss it. It was the worst time of my life. It was the most stressful part of my life. The saddest part of my life. That mikvah caused me so much sorrow. I don't want to discuss it. And the son pleaded and, and begged, please, I beg you, father. I need to know information. So he said to him, I'll tell you what happened. When I first started to build the mikvah, this decision that I made was, was, was met with a tremendous amount of criticism and everyone was going crazy. Most people in the, in the community were non-observant and they threatened me, what do we need another mikvah for? It's going to cost so much money. What's wrong with the old one? They even told me they're going to throw me out of my job. They're going to get me out of the city. And I said, no, I am doing this mikvah. I am building this mikvah. Come what may. This is what the community needs. And if it means me getting thrown out, then I'll get thrown out. There's nothing I can do. I hired someone to draw up the architectural plans based on the Rav's Psak and I implemented the plans. I finally got the money to build the mikvah. There was one component that the Rav who built the plans had basically forgot and had not explained to me was how to construct the pipes. So a non-Jew basically figured out how to build the pipes and he made them. So he continues and he says after the building was built all I needed was rainwater. But you wouldn't believe it. Even though the city normally had rain, and we had snow everywhere from all that rain, it was freezing cold, but there was no rain. And we needed rain. We needed rain to come down and fill the pipes and fill the mikvah, otherwise we couldn't work this mikvah. And it was a tremendous drought. And all the community members who finally got their way because they saw, look, you see, God's punishing you. Here's your mikvah, not getting filled. You don't have any rain, ah. What are you going to do now? And this is what they were poking fun of me. And they saw it was a sign from heaven that I shouldn't have built a mikvah to begin with. Newspapers were reporting about it. It was, it was such a tsar in my life. This drought caused me so much tsar. I didn't know what to do. I thought my whole career would be over. Finally, one Rav came to me and he said, You know what? You don't have to wait for rain. Take snow. 
take an abundance of snow and fill the mikvah. And obviously without getting involved now in the halachas of mikvahs, but just for the sake of the story, that's what he did. He filled it, he took enough of the snow to fill up the mikvah, I put it into the mikvah, and at last I had a kosher mikvah. Could you imagine? Not one drop of water had ever gone through those pipes to fill the mikvah with water. But he said, the day after I brought in the melted snow, it started to pour. And all of a sudden my opposition pointed this as another sign from heaven. It's so much shame, so much disgrace from this whole episode. I didn't know what to do. So can you imagine? Fascinated. This, this whole thing just came out in an unbelievable way. The son started to say the story from his end. He said, Father, I want to tell you something. Not only was the drought not a sign that Hashem doesn't agree with you. It was the greatest sign of Hashem's love. Because the pipes that the guy made for you was completely puzzled. They would have made the mikvah not kosher. And the absolute end result would have been catastrophic. The amount of people that would have come out of that mikvah and not had a kosher tahara and all the ramifications afterwards would have been absolutely unbelievable. Because of the drought, because of what you thought was so terrible, was so bad, was so shaming, you succeeded in fulfilling the mikvah with melted snow. You never used the pipes. It was a kosher mikvah. And that's incredible. Rabbi Sain. Many, many times we have challenges and it makes us wonder why is the Rabbani Shalom doing what he does? Why are we having this pain? Why are we going through what we're going through? Sometimes the Rabbani Shalom sheds light on the other end of the tunnel and shows us, I'll tell you why, and we see it and it's beautiful. But not always do we see it. And right now, Klali Tzolo going through a sorrow we don't understand. But I want to use Shvi Shel Pesach. I want to use the schooler of the day. And every single one of us that are here tonight listening and that will be listening to this year, please join me Shvi Shel Pesach in being Mechazek Aramun in the Rabboni Shalom, not just in a theoretical way. But pointing out the things that we have in our lives that the Rabboni Shlolem gives us. The Al Sheikh HaKadosh writes, Ki Ratsa HaKadosh Baruch Alidei Nisim Sha'asal Yisrael B'Mitzrayim Lahashrisham Bi'ike Emunas Chidush HaOilam This is it. The time, the climax of all the Yontav of Pesach is right now Shvishal Pesach. Va'aminu Ba'ashem We have to display as the Rachaim that we started told us it's all about going in there, just do it, have the Amuna, go. The Rabbi says, yes, you have to daven sometimes, but sometimes you just have to show your display of what you feel for the Rabbi Nishalayim. And Be'ez HaShem, the Rabbi will give us all siyata dishmaya, this yontif, to come out with a tremendous chizak in Amuna, in seeing the nace in every single one of the natural things that we have in our lives. And once the Rabbi does that, then Be'ez HaShem, our lives will be different people, will end off, will come out of Shvi Shal Pesach as a different person, and Be'ezah Hashem, the Rabbani Shem, will bring the Gula that will all be able to meet here, back in Yerushalayim, Be'ezah Hashem, for the seeing of the Bayish Shlishi, and I want to wish everyone a wonderful Yontav, and thank you so much for listening everyone, have a wonderful Yontav.